Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. It's the Clippers. There. Our great national debate. Okay. Our great statewide debate. That's not fair to jazz fans in Idaho. Our great Intermountain West debate is over. It will not be the Mavericks. It will be the Clippers. A game that I thought the Clippers were controlling even when they were losing, to be honest. Does that make any sense? Can you control a game while you're losing? Dallas came out, Luka Doncic came out, and they just threw everything they had at the Clippers. They shot 63% in the first quarter and emerged with a very tiny lead. <laughs> just just barely in front. And they were shooting 63%. That was not a good sign. They inevitably cooled off, and they really could not stop the Clippers. And nobody went for 30. It was not a one-man wrecking crew, uh, but a lot of guys scored. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard you know, led the way with 28, and Paul George had 22, although he had a bunch of points after the thing was decided at the end. Still not 100% sold on him coming through under pressure. But there wasn't a lot of pressure at the end of the game. The Mavericks had to rally to get within seven with 2.15 to go, and then Mr. October... Okay, Mr. June, Reggie Jackson hit a three to push it back to 10. They won by 15, 126-111. So Luka Doncic, who put a massive stats of like 46 points and 14 assists, uh, just, just huge stats, massive, but they couldn't get stops. You give up 126 points, that's just not going to be a winning number very often. And I know it will sometimes. I know the Jazz beat the Grizzlies in the playoffs 141-129. There are exceptions, but 126 is not going to be a winning number very often. And it was not a winning number for the Mavericks, so for the second year in a row, they go home. Beaten by the Clippers in six last year. Beaten by the Clippers in seven this year. They're headed home, and I do expect that Luka Doncic, uh, if he hasn't already, I didn't go all the way through all his post game, but if he hasn't already, he will soon be uttering the Donovan Mitchell, we're done with going out in the first round line. And, of course, uh, the key to that would be to get higher in the standings. That would be the best thing to do. Because the Jazz getting to number one made it a little easier to get through the first round. But now it's the second round. It's the Jazz who are the one seed, and it's the Clippers who are the four seed. Two teams that met four years ago and the Jazz won in seven, and almost everything has changed. You know, PK and I will talk about how sports changes quickly and how it seems like when you're up, you will always be up, and when you're down, you will always be down. But the truth is, players are coming and going, coaches are coming and going, maybe not in Utah, uh, but another team so quickly that whatever is true now, that's great, but what does it mean three, four, five years from now? Well, we got a, we've got a perfect measuring stick here. Because the Jazz played the Clippers in the first round in 2017. It was a four versus five series. And the Jazz won as the five seed. Home court didn't matter hardly at all. Uh, games two and four were won by the home teams. Clippers won their second game at home. The Jazz won their second game at home. The other five games were all won by the road team. You know, it's 2-2 and <laughs> everybody just starts winning on the road. And then you look, are there any parallels can be drawn? Well... The Clippers have literally changed every single player on the roster. There is not one Clipper left from that era in this era. And they changed their coach, too. Doc Rivers is gone. Chris Paul is gone. Blake Griffin is gone. DeAndre Jordan is gone. Lob City is gone. Cue Tyron Lue and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Nicholas Batum and on down the line. Everything. Everything has changed. Things change so fast 
in pro sports that even if you go back and look at the three regular season games, and those are always weird to look at, right? you got to see who played and who didn't. and uh, They played three times this year, and the Jazz won two of the three. But in the second game, which was the Jazz' second win, the Clippers didn't play Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Nicholas Batum. Mike Conley didn't play for the Jazz. So to draw a lot of anything off of that, you know, good luck with that, right? Obviously, the Jazz win, but that, what does that mean now? Nothing. Uh, the Jazz won game one. Conley went for 33 points, a season high. And the Jazz won that game. Had a big lead and then held on and won by six. Conley had like seven points in the last two minutes. And then the third game, which the Clippers won, everybody had everybody. Everybody was there. All the stars were there. Everything was all set up, so no excuses on that front, and the Clippers win. But the guy who came off the bench and really killed it for the Clippers, Lou Williams, had 19 points in the game, and they traded him a month later, a little more than a month later. They traded him to the Atlanta Hawks for Rajon Rondo, who got a big DNP coach's decision yesterday and didn't play. Now, different team, different matchups. You know, we'll have to see where that goes, but that kind of jumps out at you. So what happens now? Where uh, where does this go? I mean, with Lou Williams gone, that like dramatically changes the Clippers bench. I mean, his skill set, holy cow! And he lit up the Jazz so many times, like he lit everybody else up. And he's just a tremendous scorer. Uh, so some things change the same. And and obviously, I think there are two big storylines here, and we'll get to this. It's the question of the day. It's up on our Facebook page, uh, DJ and PK. You know, what, what worries you most about the Clippers? You know, what's the headline? What is the big stress point? What what keeps you up at night, Jazz fan? And I think there's obviously two things. And you go right down the line because it could well be a close series. And in a close series, lots of role players could be key for, you know, better or for worse for your team or for the other team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could go. I think, though, at the top of the list, you have to go with, is Kawhi Leonard just going to go off? You know, when he's on, he is a sight to behold. When he is on, he is spectacular. And I think also, is Mike Conley going to play? You know, he does a lot for the Jazz. You know, it's another shooter, another ball handler, a guy who's played in a conference final and been in a lot of big games and will be poised. And a guy, quite frankly, the Clippers had problems stopping. I mean, 33 points, good grief. Uh, he was 7 of 14 from three when he had that 33-point effort. So, uh, you know, he brings, he brings a lot to the table here, and I think it's all hands on deck. You know, it's uh, the Jazz finished five games in front of the Clippers in the standings, but you have to remember the Clippers were tanking at the end. You know, that could have been three games. And instead of looking at you know points, um, they look at points per possession to kind of take the the tempo, the speed, you know, uh, out of the game. Just like how good are you possession after possession? It's how they do this offensive and defensive efficiency rating, and it figures in for three pointers and all that. But if you're given a hundred possessions, if you're given the ball a hundred times on average, how many times do you score? And the same thing defensively. If you have to defend 100 times, how many times, how many points do you give up in that 100 possessions? And then the difference, you know, if you average, well, whatever, I don't want to throw too many numbers at you, but the difference there between the offense and the defense, are you plus, are you minus, are you ahead, are you behind? And the two teams with the biggest margin, the biggest plus numbers all year were the Jazz and the Clippers. And the Clippers' numbers, whether it's the win total or the average points per game or average points allowed or if you go to this net differential, um, you got to remember, it's skewed by the fact that who sits more than Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> who sits more? Now, you do have to factor in, is Conley going to go or not? Because jazz numbers are different with him. So there's all kinds of stuff to dive through. But I think there's the headlines right there. 
And I think it's clear and it's obvious. Now, there's some other things you can go to. Certainly, there are more things that matter in this series. And one thing that I can't quantify, but I really want to watch for, is the Clippers. Like, do they have a soul? How much heart do they have? How much are they going to fight back when they get in trouble? And Kawhi Leonard fought back in Game 6. But I think we all found how they came out in some of the other games weird. And if they, if they, they cut it close against the Mavericks, but they had enough talent to get it done. But... Jazz are a different team. Jazz are better defensively. I mean, certainly Rudy Gobert, the Mavericks just don't even come close, right? I mean, Porzingis has a lot of size, but he doesn't. <laughs> it's just not. Let's not even have that discussion. Um, if they try to cut it that close against the Jazz, will they get burned? You know, if they play their best basketball for four straight games, yikes, that ought to stress some Jazz fans out, right? But are they capable of that? Is that even going to happen? Are they going to play the best basketball for one out of four games? How's that going to work? How are the Jazz going to shoot it? That's another thing. How are the role players going to shoot it? Because if the Jazz play their best basketball for four straight games, the Clippers ought to be saying yikes. The Clippers ought to be sweating. You know, but are they going to have a night where they shoot it really poorly like they did in game one? Now they didn't have Donovan Mitchell to, you know, break the defense, put the opponent into a scramble, and create wide open shots. Although I thought they had a fair number of open shots that night. Um, but still, Donovan's a comfort blanket, you know, ups your confidence. You're not squeezing it so much. We really, really got to have this, you know, you, so maybe relax a little bit and you hit more. So they're the big questions. And then there's plenty of questions off of those, and we will get to those uh, later in the sh- show. And, uh, Discuss them on and on and on and on and on and on. Because what are we going to do but talk jazz and clippers all day today and all day tomorrow? That's what's going to happen. Because the second round is here and someone's going to the conference final. And the jazz haven't been there since 2007, so it'll be a big deal. Clippers have never been there, so it'll be a big deal. That's right. Clippers have never been to a conference final. I love it when... uh, and, and they're already out on our on our page. I already looked at them. They were posting last night on Facebook. Uh, the conspiracy theorists. Are, I'm worried that Ali's a big market team, and the refs are going to give him every call. Uh, the Clippers. I mean, they're only a big market team because it says L.A. So few people in L.A. care about the Clippers. It's a Laker town. The Lakers got there 25 years before them. The Lakers won a bunch of titles before them. And the Clippers have really never won much of anything. The occasional first round series here and there, and nothing past that. And the Lakers are sitting over there, you know, winning the title with Weston Chamberlain and winning five with Magic and Kareem and winning three with Shaq and Kobe and winning two more with Kobe and Gasol. <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches. Eleven titles. And that doesn't count all the times they've been in the NBA Finals and lost. I mean, it just goes on and on. And so to think that, like, oh, this big market team and everybody's going to watch the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more that they've got stars. You know, people across the country will watch Kawhi Leonard because he's one of the best players, and he's been on two championship teams already. Um, I saw a thing on the the TV ratings and uh, by market, and like the the Clippers and Nets are like bottom four in the league. They do not resonate in their home markets. Now with stars, they resonate all across the country. So. Calm down on the whole conspiracy theory thing. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the Clippers and from the Jazz. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, we're going to hear from the Clippers here in this segment. A couple things I want to clean up first from the last segment. I said that uh, Rondo got a DNP. I got my guys wrong. I got my guys mixed up. It was Patrick Beverly who got the DNP coach's decision. Uh, Rondo played nine minutes. Didn't really have all that big an impact. Uh, was one for four shooting, finished with three points, didn't have a rebound, didn't have an assist, didn't have a steal, did commit a couple of fouls. Only played nine minutes, but he did play. So I wanted to uh, fix that. Uh, and then the other thing, I was talking about how the Clippers, uh, you know, what do you learn from the NBA four years ago? And the Clippers have turned everybody over. And if you think about it, the Jazz have turned almost everybody over. Who's left from that series? Joe Ingles? Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors left and came back, and Quinn Snyder, head coach, uh, and then obviously some assistants. But uh, over on, on the Clippers' side, Ty Lue's new, all the players are new. Jazz have three players and their head coach back. So things change so fast in the NBA. They change so fast. And, you know, there's all kinds of rumors are going to change again, that this old Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers thing isn't going to last, that Kawhi could end up in Miami. Uh, man, I don't know. We're hearing all kinds of rumors about player movement now. And Lillard and the Blazers. And, yeah, Lillard wants a coach. And, oh, no, if he doesn't get him. Well, now the coach is saying, hey, I don't want to come. It was Jason Kidd. Uh, he didn't want to come. So <laughs> it's just... It's chaos, man. But there's all kinds of stories about Kawhi Leonard, and Leonard's going to end up in Miami, which is funny because no one wants to take off more time than Kawhi Leonard. If he's not 100% right, he didn't want to play, right? The rest days, the back-to-backs, we know he's going to sit. Meanwhile, over here, you got Pat Riley, who was famous for like these three-hour practices. You know, he'd just grind, guys. Just grind them. I don't know if that's a great fit. But we got to get through the playoffs. We can leave that for another time and see where and see where that goes. Jazz and the Clippers, Game 1, 8 o'clock Tuesday night. Game 2, Thursday night at 8 o'clock. And then it's off to L.A. Saturday and Monday for Games 3 and 4. Um, and Game 3 is national TV on ABC at 6.30, so a little earlier on Saturday night. So the first three game times are set, and then we'll see after that how all the series goes and uh, how it plays out. We get uh, Game 1 in the other Western Series tonight. Phoenix and Denver are playing tonight. That's tipping off, so we got that going for us. And then it'll be the Jazz tomorrow night. It'll give the Clippers a little time. They need it. They knock out the Mavericks. 15-point win for them yesterday. Time to hear from a couple Clippers in the post game. Uh, a little bit looking ahead, but mostly about the game. Um, but, you know, hey, how do they win a big game? Because largely, I mean, you do want to attack your opponent's weaknesses, but largely do what you do best, right? Do what you do best, and the Jazz are going to get a big dose of it. So here's Kawhi Leonard, the man of few words. He did say something funny during the game, and I don't know if it was funny because he was trying to be funny or if it was funny because it was kind of mean. I'm leaning a little more towards number two. He didn't have a big smile like he was being funny. Terrence Mann, who shot the ball all right in the game, but he did miss a three-pointer, and it barely grazed the rim. But it went almost straight down, and it just barely grazed the rim. Live, I thought it was an air ball. But then they had a replay, and you could see it did did get a little piece of the rim. And Kawhi catches it and quickly takes it up. He gets fouled. He scores three-point play, and his teammates are pumped. He turns around. He's walking back to free throw line. He looks over his shoulder, and it's this nice pass. But he didn't smile. <laughs> Brutal. All right, Kawhi Leonard, he's made a joke or two in his NBA career publicly. He usually plays it pretty straight. Here he is at the podium uh, doing the Zoom with the media after the Clippers win Game 7 and eliminate the Mavs for the second straight year and move on to the second round to face the Jazz. Here's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, uh, you, you mentioned after Game 6, one of the factors of playing a good game was not turning the ball over. 
Uh, you had the ball in your hands, 20, nine assists, no turnovers. How were you able to take what you said about the last couple of games and apply it to your own game tonight? Uh, just staying focused, um, you know, knowing where my teammates are, uh, you know, just staying poised, um, just keeping faith, you know what I mean? Um, just trying to win a basketball game. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, you got to be aggressive all night and, you know, don't try to make the game be perfect. Thanks. Go to Tim. Tim, man, ESPN. Kawhi, what do you think of what Luka Doncic did in this series and the challenges that he presented you guys? Oh, man, um, you know, he, he, he did everything. Uh, you know, I believe – I don't know how many 40-point games he had. I believe three, three or four. Um you know, shooting it very efficiently um, from three, for sure, off the dribble shots. Um, you know, just doing it all for his team. Uh, you know, he's a great player. He's going to see him for many years to come. Uh, you know, he's playing at his own pace. He's making it look easy out there. Thanks. Going to Mark Medina. Hi, Kawhi. Congrats on the win. Um, I know, obviously, Utah is a really tough opponent, but what sort of big picture – carryover do you think the team can uh have with just what you guys went through in the first round uh, just just seeing uh you know how par we play pretty much um you know um you know just trusting each other um the same thing you need to uh need to have to be uh, the last team standing but uh you know it's a, it's gonna be a different challenge next series uh it's a different team so, um, you know, we, we just got to see, uh, you know, you know what they do well and, you know, how, how, uh, how we can hire our chances of winning. Thanks. Go over to Andrew Greif. Hey, Kawhi, to, you, you mentioned the trust and, and Ty Lue before the game said that game sevens are all about trust. How did you see throughout this series trust build um, within this roster? Um. You know, I think I think just uh, you know as we watch film and you know we've seen that oh, we're leaving each other on islands, um, mainly on the defensive end. Um, nobody's really selfish on the offensive end on this team. Uh, you know that's up to me and PG and playmakers uh, on the offensive end not to be selfish because at times you feel like you got to do it all. But um, you know these games aren't one. Uh, with just one or two great players, you need a whole 17 or 16 players that you have, guys on the bench clapping, letting you know what's going on, and you know the rotation players. So, um, you know, I think we had trust at the beginning, but we just had to dial in on what we were doing. Thanks, go to Ohm. Hey, Kawhi. Um, for you guys to stave, uh, come back from two zeros, stave off elimination these last two games, what do you feel? Do you feel something different in this team that wasn't there last year um, to help you guys come through in this game seven? Um, no. I mean, um, I think I said this. I don't, I'm not thinking about last year. I'm thinking about what's, what, uh, what are we doing today and, you know, what the, what the next step is tomorrow. So, um, you know, I'm glad that we showed character, we showed poise when we went down to low, going on the road in that game three. Um, you know, that meant a lot to me this season. <clears throat> Obviously, it got us to this next round, but, 
like I said, it's all it's all about this year. Um, and now we got to see what what we could do this year to you know higher our chances of winning in this next round. And you've often talked about um, building championship habits and going through not only the highs but the lows. When you go through all the things that you guys have gone through this series, how does that help a team try to get to that championship? From your experience, I mean, you just you just know to keep faith. Um, you know, uh, you know what you what you have gone through. Um, at times when, you know, we were at our worst and, you know, you could, you know, I guess propel from that, uh, dig yourself out of a hole that you put yourself in, um, you know, it just gives you that confidence, I believe. But um, that being said, this is, this is one series and we have to focus on the next one. Thanks, Owen. we got time for two more. We'll go to Tomer. Uh, hey, Kawhi, congrats on the win. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Terrence after game five. He had that kind of layup that he probably should have taken that he passed up. And I see uh, he's kind of down on himself. Just what was the last couple of days like for, you know, in terms of his confidence building coming in and, and really, um, you know, helping you guys out there on the court ever since that, that game five sort of blunder he had. <clears throat> when did you see that he was down on himself? Well, after, after he passed up the shot, he kind of grabbed his head like this and PG tapped him on the head saying it was all right. Um, I mean, I think I don't think he was really down. I mean, obviously, it was a learning experience for him. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, we just stayed positive with him. He was he was still positive. He wasn't walking around sad, talking about the same shot over and over. Uh, we all have these have those mistakes, um, you know, throughout our whole career. If, even if it's a game seven game, or if it's uh, you know your first game of your. Uh, you know, NBA career. So it's just about, it's about moving forward. Um, you know, it probably won't be the last time, uh, you know, he's going to think he should have did something, you know, uh, it's the, it's the game in basketball. We all think that, uh, what it could have, should have type of moments. And, um, it's just about moving forward and, and making sure you, uh, are, are smarter in those situations. Thanks. But, and the last question we'll take from Ramona. Hey, Kawhi, you know, you had a, a really interesting answer, I thought, the other night when Rachel asked you about your experiences in previous Game 7s or experiences of big playoff moments and said you really don't think about the past. Is, is, you really, how do you have confidence like that out there, the way I mean, you've obviously done this before, but you had it again tonight. Is it just staying in that moment but in, and really not dwell, going back to the past? I mean, it is, it's like that for me. Um, you know, I don't know how other players – think or people think, but uh, just for me, it's about the situation that's in front of you. Um, just because you play great in whatever nine game sevens, it doesn't mean you're going to play great in, the, in, in game 10 and, you know, vice versa. Um, so it's all about the moment. Um, you know, sometimes when you're overconfident, you play bad. Sometimes when you're down on yourself, you play good. But like I said, for me, it's about focusing in that moment, having fun, and um, you know, playing playing hard. That's it. This is this is a game of basketball. All right, there's Kawhi Leonard as he leads the Clippers in scoring, and they knock out the Mavs one twenty six one eleven. Now here's the head coach, Tyron Lue. Hey Ty, um, hey, I'm just wondering, just mentally, you know, it seemed like you guys never really got when they got up, especially late in the game. Did you need to say anything to them, or did they were they just mentally locked in all day? They were mentally locked in all day, and um, it was a total team effort. You know, um, having 30 assists, you know, in the game seven, 126 points. You know, Marcus making seven threes, Terrence Mann in the first half. You know, Luke Kennard coming in, making three threes. 
Nico, the way he started the game, you know, and then PG and Kawhi having 19 assists between the two of those guys. Um, it was a total team effort, man. And, um, you know, Reggie coming up big, hit the end, and making some big threes for us. You know, like I said, it was a total team win. We wanted this moment. Um, it was a great test for us, you know, on making this battle test and going into the second round. Um, so, like I said, it was a great win for us. Thanks, Roman. Hey, thanks. We'll, go, we'll go over to Mark Spears. Congrats, T. Thanks, Mark. Um, uh, wanted to ask you about um, Marcus, the game he had, um, what it meant to you guys to get to get sparked by him uh, for three-point range. It meant a lot. You know, we was getting shots all series that we didn't make, and uh, we kept saying time and time again that, you know, we're getting great looks versus their zone, versus their man, uh, PG and Kawhi, where they kept attacking. And we got open shots that we just didn't make, Mark, and um, we just told guys, just trust trust your work. You know, trust all the work you put in all season. Um, throughout your career to get here to this point. And, um, you know, like I said, Mark is the second second leading three-point shooter in the league this year. So we knew he was going to make shots. We just didn't know when, but what a great time to make 23s um, in game seven. Thanks, Mark. We'll go over to Andrew Greif. Hey, Ty, congrats. Um, you know, on one hand, you have a short turnaround and this is a pretty taxing series, but do you feel like having gone through this experience, the ups and downs, coming back from two deficits, that this could be a good, almost like a springboard for you guys going into a tough series? Yeah, I think so. You know, just, you know, battle tested, going to seven games in the first round. I'm coming out here winning the game on our home floor, you know, which we didn't play well uh, the first three games. But it just shows a lot about our team, about the resilience, um, about what we've done all season long. You know, Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, like I said, playing big games this year because of our injuries and guys being out. And those guys that come in and step in and play the way they did was huge for us. Thanks, Andrew. We'll go over to Ohm. Hey, Ty, uh, you said the guys wanted this moment. Um, how did today feel different than the last time you guys were in a game seven last year? I mean, how much were they just motivated to kind of get rid of that bad taste out of their mouth from last year? Um, uh, you have to ask those guys that. Um, but I know it was just a tough series for us. You know, Luca put a lot of pressure on us, um, you know, throughout the course of this series, which we needed. Um, we was able to do some different things defensively that we needed to see and needed to do as well. So we got to get better with that. Um, but – you know, last year was last year. You know, we talked about it. You know, when the season started, that's over. And uh, we got to look going forward. You know, we can't keep looking behind and what happened in the bubble. That's, that shit's over. So we got to do what we got to do. Uh, keep moving on and uh, getting ready for the second round. Ty, was there a moment today that you just kind of knew that these guys had it in them today? Um. I mean, I guess we had a walkthrough. Guys were locked in and focused. We've been, we've been all series. You know, we had to make a couple of adjustments after the first two games, and uh, we was able to go four-one after we made those adjustments. So, um, you know, those guys have been focused all series long. So, you know, you get down 0-2 on your home floor, and then to go into a hostile environment in Dallas where their fans was out of control, um, you know, and to come back and win four-one. I mean, it just says a lot about our team. So they've been focused throughout the whole series. Is we had to make some adjustments and go from there. Thanks. Thanks. Go over to Law. Ty, speaking of focus, that third quarter did not exactly start really great for your team. You had to call a timeout, 75 seconds in, giving that three up to Hardaway after a bucket. What did you tell your team in that moment, and how were they able to turn it around from there? No, we just got to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, I said, you know, don't come out take bad shots. We can't turn the basketball over. And we got to get back in transition. But keep attacking. Don't get enticed by taking the three-point shots because they're in the zone. We got to get back to attacking the rim, attacking the paint, and then spraying out our open threes that we're open. So um, just a little 
you know, low coming out, you know, starting that third quarter. But like I said, they got back on track when we called that timeout and kept attacking and kept getting to where we wanted to get to offensively. Thanks. Go over to Tomer. Hey, Ty, congrats on the win. Thank you. Um, before game, game three, or after game two, you said uh, you thought Dallas' shooting would come back down to earth. It did. Before today, you said that you think you're finally going to have a good shooting game. You did. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on Utah. What, what's going to happen there? What are your thoughts on that series as well? I mean, <laughs> can we enjoy this one first? Um, but, I mean, we know they're a tough team. You know, they've made the most threes in the league um, this year, you know, per game. And um, Donovan Mitchell, um, who's, who's, you know, who's the snake of that, that team, but they got just got a you know great coach in Quinn who does a good job, a lot of movement. Gobert who's an anchor in the middle, so um, I'm gonna go look at it today. You know, try to get as much done as I can today and tomorrow, and just kind of go from there. But right now, I haven't had a chance to really lock in on it. Well, let me ask you about Luke Kennard then. Uh, he kind of came in, gave you guys a big, big boost after not playing the first five games. I just what, what really? Did you see anything in game six that led you to believe he'd be really successful in those minutes? Yeah, we knew he was going to make shots, you know, but the biggest thing was concerning was just the defensive part of it was Luca on the floor and um, how they play. But in game six, I saw he had great shows on Luca. Um, he was able to guard Brunson, got a big steal, got on the floor and got a steal for us to get out in transition. So I knew defensively he was going to be a problem after I saw that in game six. And the way we were shooting the basketball, I thought we just needed to insert, you know, another shooter in the lineup, especially with Kawhi and PG drawing so much attention. So game seven, you know, it was the same thing. And he came out and made three threes for us off the bench. Miriam. Hey, Ty, congrats, man. Thank you. Um, hey, so obviously these aren't looking back, um, but looking forward. Um, it, it, and obviously you have a great challenge in Utah, but, but, and, and you have an ultimate goal beyond that. But what would it mean to you guys to kind of get past that second round, to get to a conference finals, considering that this franchise is history? No, it means a lot to, to win and keep advancing, you know. And you, know, you play this game, you prep all season long to get to this point, to get to the playoffs and produce. So, like I said, first round was a tough series for us. Um, you know, we were battle-tested now going to game seven. Uh, we know we going to Utah where they have a great fan base and it's tough to play there. But, you know, I think our guys are locked in. You know, I think Dallas really did a great job of preparing us for the next series. And we'll take one last one from Vincent. Hey, Ty, when you guys were down 30 to 11 in game three and you guys took, you know, you guys took that time out, was there any panic in that atmosphere? You talked about how wild the crowd was. You're down 0-2. They jump on you. Do you think the last maybe week or so has revealed some character about this team? Did you learn some things that maybe you didn't know before all of this? Yeah, a lot of character. And um, I knew because we, we showed it all season long when guys were out. Um, but like our coaching staff, you know, we did a great job of just staying poised. You know, Chauncey, Chauncey Bills has done a great job, you know, working with PG and, you know, just because PG's been playing mostly point guard for our team all year. So, you know, just showing him different ways to, to make different passes, different reads. And, you know, just our coaches that Kenny Atkinson with the player development with Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann, those guys getting working every day. You know, Roy Rogers, Dan Craig, and Brendan O'Connor defensively, um, just being able to make adjustments, make sure our guys are prepared. And then, you know, Larry Drew, you know, what he does for me offensively has been great. And, you know, of course, you know, Jeremy Castleberry, what he does with Kawhi. And just our, our, our approach, I think, every single day of, 
they're having a worker's mentality. I think um, they're having a calmness to us, you know, not getting rattled, you know, being poised when things go go wrong and things are tough for us. And our coaching staff has done a great job of doing that. So um, I think when we came to the timeout down 19, uh, we never got rattled. Guys would just say, we got to clean up our mistakes, keep attacking and keep chipping away, and we were able to do that. There's the Clippers head coach, Ty Lu. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Quinn Snyder. Jazz coach meeting with the media after the Clippers advance, taking a few questions, and uh, his seventh anniversary. Seven years to the day that he's hired as a Jazz coach. He finds out that second round, Jazz and Clippers. We'll get to Quinn Snyder next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz are going to face the L.A. Clippers in the second round of the playoffs. Clippers knock out the Mavs. That was a 1.30 game. It wrapped up, I think, a little after 4. And Quinn Snyder was on a Zoom call with the media at 5 o'clock. And talking about the Clippers, the challenges they present, um, some of the issues, you know, the preparation. The Jazz have had a lot of time off, which is good because it's the rest and it's the, you know, get healthy thing, especially with Mike Conley. But for whatever little injuries guys have that we don't hear about and they try to keep quiet, you know, don't tell somebody the wrist is uh, sore because guys just start hitting their wrist, right? You got a problem with your shoulder? Here, let me hit your shoulder. So they keep all that stuff uh, as quiet as possible. But a few days off, so you uh, get the legs back, have the energy, feel as good as possible. Um and then preparation, you know, you can prepare for what you do, but it's hard to prepare for what they do because you want to fill the player's mind with a bunch of stuff for a team they're not playing. So after that game ended Sunday, that's when it starts to get serious. And then also you hear at the end, Quinn Snyder asked about uh, Ben Anderson, who does uh, used to do jazz pre-half and post, comes on our show occasionally, uh, asked Quinn to reflect on seven years. And he throws in a number, 2.3. He said, you throw out the high and the low, and, you know, don't worry about the interim coaches who are given three months or whatever. And, and then he lowers the number by throwing out guys like Popovich and, you know, have this massive run, right? But he thought that 2.3 years, that's, you know, two and a third years, that's about what you get as an NBA coach. So he's at seven years. He's pretty quickly, he's going to be one of those guys that young coaches throw out when they do the math on this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, never mind, don't count Quinn. And it's funny because in the early days, I know Quinn was really worried. I mean, like in the first month or two, he's really worried about his job. It was uh, well known inside the organization uh, because he started out really poorly. He's just worried, you know, you're out there. I forget what it was. Three and fifteen, or five and eighteen, or whatever the heck it was, it was bad, um, you know. And it's kind of like, well, are they going to make a change? It's just so not the Jazz way, right? It's just Dale Miller isn't just going isn't going to do that. Everybody knew the roster wasn't very good, uh, but he was pretty pretty wound up about that. I heard that from uh, multiple people inside the organization who made no sign, no no um, no secret of it. Um, but he got through that in the second half of his his first year as a coach. They had a good run at the end of the year. And happened again the second year and they missed the playoffs, but Rudy had been out hurt. And then uh, and then they were off and running, you know, in into the playoffs five years in a row. Those first two years they didn't make it, um, but they finished strong both of those years. So 
And the arrow's been pretty consistently up with Quinn. All right, here he is talking about the second-round matchup. It's the Jazz and the Clippers starting Tuesday night, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Here's Quinn Snyder with the media. Thank you. So uh, maybe if you could just begin by kind of speaking generally as to, you know, some of the challenges that uh, Kawhi and, and the rest of the Clippers present. Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> the, uh, they're a team that, you know, obviously all teams watch each other throughout the course of the year. Um, and you're familiar with, you know, those two guys, obviously, in particular, and the things that they're capable of doing. Um, I think sometimes because they're such great players, um, there's a tendency not to talk as much just naturally about um, some of the other guys in their team. And, you know, even a guy like Mann coming in and the impact he had in the series, what Morris did today, hitting big shots, Kennard coming in and making big shots, Batum defending. Um, you can go down the line, Patrick Beverly, his ball pressure um, and his competitiveness, you know, Zubox, what he does. Um, they're, they're just a, they're a very, very good, excellent, well-balanced team. And they present problems in a lot of different ways. They can play small, which, you know, they've done a lot against Dallas. Um, they can play big, um, which we've seen before too. So, um, we've got our hands full and that's, that's what you expect in the playoffs, but a team certainly that, you know, we're well aware of how good they are and have tremendous respect for them. Um, you know, what Ty's done, um, throughout the course of the year, historically, the way that he's managed teams in the playoffs, you know, they've got a great coach. We know they'll be really prepared and, um, we've just got to try to do the same thing. Tony Jones, the athletic. Um, coaching in the matchup with um, the Clippers in February, they closed with a lineup with um, Marcus Moore Sr. Uh, at the five. And that was a, one of their dominant lineups in, in the series against Dallas. Um, how impactful is that lineup uh, going? Does that lineup have a potential to be for the Clippers going forward in this series? And, and how do you guys deal with it on both sides of the floor? Well, that's why, you know, that's why you study teams and you scout teams. And certainly, you know, as you said, the, the way that they played against Dallas, um, the way that they spaced the floor, you have, you know, the top three point shooting team in the league, you know, they make them at a higher percentage than anyone else. So they're able to put five guys out there that can all make shots. Um, and then they have other guys that can create shots. So, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. You're going to end up giving something up. Um, certainly, you know, they know who we are. Um, and you can anticipate a lot of the things that, that will go into that with different adjustments that teams will make to try to either exploit what they perceive as weaknesses or, um, you know, accentuate strengths. So, um, without getting too deep into the weeds, you know, suffice to say we were, you know, we know what that game three was like. We know what it was like down the stretch and how they played, how they spaced, um, you know, and then saw, saw their Dallas series. They watched, they watched our Memphis series. They've watched the games that we've played. And, you know, I'm sure between now and Tuesday, everybody will be watching some more. So um, again, that's, that's the playoffs. And, 
you know, you're not going to be able to take everything away. Um, you just have to, you know, to a certain degree, play percentages, try to make things hard and be prepared to adjust at given times. And, you know, those adjustments are never completely black and white. They involve timing. Um, they involve preparation. So, you know, again, you usually know more as the series progresses and you make some assumptions on the front end and you go from there. All right, next up, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, they made so many changes in kind of who they played during that series and including today. Um, it, how hard is it knowing that, you know, they do have kind of 11, maybe even 12 guys that could rotate in there and kind of being able to teach your players kind of all the things that they need to do to defend those guys in, in kind of the most intelligent way, I guess. Well, you know, personnel is always a big part of your preparation, you know, knowing different guys, tendencies, I think, um, their depth certainly, you know, makes them unique. You know, you saw again, um, what, what man did, um, you know, in a couple games, the way that he impacted the game, uh, on the glass defensively banging some shots. Um, I thought what Luke Kennard did, you know, he missed a couple in game six and he obviously he, he's confident and he should be, he's, he's an excellent shooter. Um, certainly, um, you're just, we're familiar with their personnel. It doesn't matter if there's two guys or five guys or 10 guys. Um, but part of your preparation involves, um, digging deeper. And I, I think it also involves combinations. Um, because when certain guys play together, um, that creates different looks on the floor. So, um, that's another thing that you, you have to be aware of. And, you know, the playoffs, you know, I won't say come down only to matchups, but certainly matchups are a big part of it. Um, and you're going to have what you consider to be, um, better matchups than others, but that that's, you know, hopefully we have, you know, some advantages there at certain places as well. And, um, but as far as just knowing their personnel, I don't, I don't, I don't think the fact that, um, they have depth and that they, they are playing different lineups and different guys. And, um, there's no danger that we're not going to be aware and prepared that anybody coming off the bench is going to catch us by surprise as far as what that they're capable of doing. Um, that doesn't mean we're always going to be able to prevent it from happening. Um, but at least you can think about it and, you know, educate your team. And we've got guys that, that study, um, and some of that is collectively and some of that's things that they do on their own, which we always encourage as well. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, how valuable were the last few days and you know, the five days that you have in between the series, not only, I guess, for like rest and recuperation for Mike and Donovan, especially, but also for that preparation to give the time, like, you know, players time to watch that film and scout the teams. It, it, from a preparation standpoint, it, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, up until, you know, an hour or so ago, we didn't know who we were going to play. So, it's hard to kind of go down a rabbit hole with, you know, either team in trying to predict, you know, who's going to win um, and how you would game plan, you know, against Dallas versus against obviously the Clippers. Um, that happens more 
you know, with, with, with our staff, you know, and trying to be prepared to the extent that you can, um, you know, before the tipping point occurs and you dig down even deeper. So there are some things that, you know, you can focus on yourselves, um, that you feel like may be applicable no matter who you play and anticipate some of those things, which I think, uh, something we've tried to do. Um, you know, the first round we were in a similar situation where we played a team in Memphis that, you know, had played some very competitive games prior to, um, essentially game sevens. Um, and we had been rested. I thought we didn't have quite the level of continuity that, that we wanted in that first game. Um, so that cuts both ways. Um, sometimes timing and continuity and rhythm can trump uh, rest. Um, obviously, there's there's a balance there. Um, to the extent that you're able to practice, that that becomes challenging, frankly, at this point in the year because you're you know you're conscious of making sure that um, everybody's healthy and at their best. So, um, as I said, I I think you can see it from both sides and. You just try to do your best balancing those two things and, you know, and then taking advantage of, you know, tonight and tomorrow and um, Tuesday morning to, to try to prepare more specifically, you know, for the Clippers. Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Quinn, uh, a little bit off topic, I guess, but seven years ago you were hired today. Where do you, I mean, what, what do you look back on fondly and kind of this, this journey you've been on with the Jazz to, to where you are now? Well, I, I remember trying to get to the Atlanta airport to make a flight on the last flight out so I could be in um, for the press conference the next morning because Greg Miller had to leave town and it was pretty important for me to, to get there. I was, you know, I was hopeful if I didn't make the flight, I'd still have the job. Um, but I do remember that moment in the afternoon. I just had my hip replaced. Um, so needless to say, it was, it was a long flight. Um, someone reminded me of that today, actually. Uh, I didn't know it was, um, today, seven years ago today, but you know, it makes you, you, you feel, you feel gratitude that you one, um, got an opportunity and two, um, that you've been able um, with the support, you know, of Dennis Lindsay and the Millers and, you know, now Ryan Smith and the staff and the players, you know, I think anytime you're able to coach for a number of years in this league, you're, you're really fortunate. I, I do remember, you know, going through the, the list and adding them all up and factoring out the top and the bottom and coming to 2.3 years. So, when it was halfway through my third year, I figured I was, you know, I was doing okay after that. So I don't know that anybody could anticipate being somewhere for an extended period of time in, in this business. So it makes you feel really grateful that, you know, you've been around people that, that have really allowed you to have a certain level of success that, that has continued to provide that opportunity. And that, you know, that's, that's your players, you know, that's, Joe Ingles and Rudy and Donovan and, you know, now JC and Boyan and Fave. And, you know, you go through the, you know, I thought about Joe Johnson the other day when, you know, when I found out that when we could play the Clippers, cause I, I remember that team. And so again, you just, I think, I think you're grateful as much as anything. And, you know, it's the same thing. We, we, we try to tell our team, you just, 
can't take any year, any game, anything for, for granted that, you know, you never know when opportunities uh, present themselves. And that's certainly the case on, on a broader scale as well. All right, there's Quinn Snyder, seven years in the books, and what lies ahead? Forget the next seven years. I think we all want to know about the next seven weeks. <laughs> two weeks for the second round, two weeks for the conference final, two weeks for the NBA final, one week for the party. Is that how it's going to play out? How is it going to work? The top teams won as expected in the first round, with the exception of the Hawks beating the Knicks, but these top seven teams that have the... Um, had the home court in the higher seed. The seven teams that had the best net differential for all you analytics fans, they all advanced. And the Hawks' numbers were all skewed because the Hawks were terrible. They made their coaching change, and Nate McMillan comes in, and they've been really good ever since. So they ride the Knicks out and actually beat Philly in game one yesterday. So we'll see. The Jazz have the best record. they got the best net differential. Are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Is Donovan Mitchell going to be the clutchiest? Of all the players in the playoffs. Well, we'll get a little clue uh, with Game 1 tomorrow night. All right, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, stay with us.